Welcome to Wonder Tour with Derek Cobb and Drew Perot, where we are learning leadership lessons from your favorite stories. Hi, I'm Derek. And I'm Drew. And we are on a journey to become better leaders by touring fantastic worlds and inspiring lore by going on a Wonder Tour. We connect leadership concepts to story context because it sticks to our brains better. You can find out more at wondertourpodcast.com. Welcome back to another episode of Wonder Tour. This time, it's part two of Derek and I going on Adam Koch's The Cash Podcast. We had a great time, and we learned that these lessons that we're learning are not all about self-development. They're not all about leadership development. These things are all intertwined in wisdom. And as a result, when we're talking about human development and leadership, it can be applicable to money. It can be applicable to relationships. It can be applicable to our careers and our families. And so this second episode, we really did more of a fireside chat with Adam here, just kind of going back and forth about, you know, okay, well, what does it mean to grow as humans? What does it mean that there's a growth rate that we're kind of capped at and that we should learn to work around the ebbs and flows of how the universe wants us to grow? versus despite our own ambitions and passions that we have. So we hope you enjoy this. This is part two with Adam. Uh, more evidence than not that we're closer to a bottom than we are to the, to the beginning of this thing. But that doesn't mean um, uh, Dave Keller, I'll, I'll give him this quote because I think he's the one that said it. Said it but uh, Dave Keller with StockCharts.com says, never, mis- never misinterpret the bottom of the page with support, meaning it can go lower. <laughs> <laughs> just because it's just because the stock charts at the bottom of the page doesn't mean you know the x line zero we could be looking yeah. at 400 right that's yeah. why there's penny stocks in delisting <laughs> i love that sure. though the scope of view on a chart is perfect example right derek we talk about you know what scope are you looking at because really the the narrower you go or in your scope then maybe the easier it will be to predict, right? If I'm trying to predict the weather tomorrow, I can do so with a higher probability than I can do next year. Next year, next predicting the weather next month, it's very much like predicting the, you know, the markets next month, right? Sure. So, it's so complex, it's almost well, impossible. Sure. You're only able to get macro trends there. But the further out you go and the higher the level, the estimate that you make is, like you said, yeah, will we eventually go back up? Well, in the long term, yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, how long, right. term, how long term, right? That, that determines your strategy. But so finding those sweet spots of scope and figuring out, okay, when can I kind of like sit at this, I can go up a little bit in scope, down a little bit in scope, find the right sweet spot where I can start to make predictions that I feel, again, not that I'm, I'm going to be right necessarily, but that I have a higher chance of being right than being wrong. Sure. I think you hit a huge point in my world on, on that on that note because there's a, there's a guy named Charlie Bilello. He does these funny, sometimes they're funny stats, but just, he does a lot of statistical research. And he had this one come out the other day. I don't know how much you guys watch CNBC. I would encourage no one to watch. I shouldn't say that. I wouldn't watch CNBC. <laughs> we call it financial pornography. But um, it's uh, he he talked he talks about how starting in 2010, CNBC started doing this episode whenever the markets are really really volatile and scary. It's called Markets in Turmoil, and it's not scheduled. It's just a pop-up show that comes on when the markets are in turmoil, according to them. And the statistic is, uh, and it's a perfect indicator for the market. Every time there's been an, a Markets in Turmoil, and I don't know how many there's been. If I had to guess, there's probably been 60, 70, maybe 80 episodes. Every single time the market's higher a year later. Every time. <laughs> so I, I don't I don't. I think Drew, what you were saying, I'm trying to I'm trying to remember exactly what you said, but 
I mean, I think that so many times that my difficult, my job is very difficult in that um, I think people want to know. And I think that's the way that's, that's not just in money, but in life. And that's where it's hard to make decisions sometimes because is because we want to know what the outcome is going to be before we do it. So we don't make a mistake. Right. However, unless you're 65 years old and you've barely saved enough to retire, which you shouldn't have done to begin with, by the way, unless you're that person, you shouldn't really worry too much about what's going to happen in the next six months or the next year in in the market. You should be, you should be focused back, go back to the long-term again, right? We should be focused more on the long-term realizing that the, S&P 500 has been down 17%. The NASDAQ's been down almost 30%. The chances of it going lower are not, I wouldn't say small. They can go lower, right? So you could get a better sale if you wanted to, if you're waiting for that clearance sale. Um, but again, we're back to picking bottoms again. And uh, we're worrying too much about the short term. When when I always say, you know, if you, if you any any couple or individual should have anywhere between three to six months of their expenses and savings at any time. And then above and beyond that, if you have any money that you plan on spending in the next two years, that shouldn't be invested either. So if we're living by those rules, why are we worried about the price today, right? Because uh, as you got, well, I think Drew, you were alluding to this, but the market has an upward bias. So, you know, there's, there's, you know, three out of four years, the market goes up. And when you're in one of those tough years, well, it's ironic because, you know, people say all the time, um, like, well, you know, I don't want to invest, but I got a bunch of cash. I don't want to invest it because his market's too high. I don't want to pay this high price. I'm going to wait for things to, uh, I'm going to wait for things to come down. Then I'm going to invest my money. Then you get an opportunity like this one this year, right? Well, I want to wait for things to get better before I invest, which means you want to wait for prices to get higher. So I'm in the only, I'm in the only business in the world. I get this from Don Connolly, one of my first mentors ever in the business. He said, I'm in the only business in the world where when the prices go down, no one wants to give us money. But when the prices go up, people throw money at it. It's like the anti-sale. So I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's the bias thing. It's a different type of bias, right? But you're talking right. about how we are biased towards the present and towards recency. I mean, it really is a, a piece of a recency bias there. I love John Steinbeck in East of Eden. He, he just has some of these incredible quotes in here. Uh, he says, and it never failed that during the dry years, the people forgot about the rich years. And during the wet years, they lost all memory of the dry years. It was right. always that way. That's right. It's right. Recency bias all day long. And we always want what we can't have. 100%. And I think that's where we we kind of dovetail into this like other topic that we were thinking about for today, which is expectations, right? And we, we started expectations, but really it revolves around your growth rate, right? It's what are your gains going to be, right? Your expectation of your gains, you may have a percentage in your mind, right? Um, it could be 7%, it could be 8%, whatever that may be, right? Mm-hmm. We all have these expectations. And I think it's interesting is maybe once you break these biases, you break out of these biases and you start to see the entire picture, there's the other scary extreme, right? Which is you can grow, you think you can grow so fast, right? We've seen some of this with crypto, right? Where someone says, well, I, you know what? I got my entire nest egg. I'm just going to throw it all in there, Right or something like that. And, and I start cringing. As soon as I hear that, I'm like, you may just want to like, maybe just do a couple thousand or something, you know, just to see how it goes. Or (laughs) we had a guy in our office last year who had uh, came in with a $1.4 million portfolio, all invested in Amazon, Microsoft, Netflix, and Tesla. That was it. That makes me. Yeah. And that whole, that percentage of market cap right there by those top companies, it, it makes me uncomfortable. 
uh, knowing that that there's so much of the market that is in those top companies. Sure. And they're great companies. They're strong companies. We use them. But I don't know that I want to bet my entire portfolio on those, you know, right on Fang or whatever it may be of the week. Um, you know, because you know as well as I do, there's going to be some other top companies. I know we're kind of getting into a maybe a dominant market where these they're trillion dollar market caps. Like how could they yeah. even go away? But regulators could get them, right? <laughs> so yeah. anything can happen. <laughs> but you know, as we think about um, you know, the self development angle and one of the things that Drew and I, we looked at is that there is a limit to how you can grow uh, yourself, right? And so that's why it's important to, as you say, Adam, get started today, right? Get, get going on this journey uh, for financial health. Well, we would also say that in terms of self-development. Why would you, you, start uh, taking why, why would you say there's a limit? I'm curious. Like, I've never even fathomed that concept. That's a, so. that's a good question. So the main thing is, is that in a day's time, you can only read so many blog articles. In a day's time, you can only absorb so many things. And because the sun comes up, the sun goes down and you have to sleep. And you know we've talked about kind of the time constraints on everybody to be able to do that. Don't expect too much of yourself. That's the thing that we try to tell people is that, look, it's great to grow and you need to, but we advocate for a steady growth, something that's doable, right? That's not going to totally outstrip you to where you're like, I have to make structural changes in my life so I can continue to grow. Because I've been there. I, I, I've definitely like pulled a lot of information in. You drink from the fire hose, for example. You can only drink from the fire hose for so long. What I mean by that, right, is just take huge amount of information. I'm sure if we were in the room with you and went into financial, uh, additional financial topics, I'm sure we'd be drinking from the fire hose and I would walk out of the room like literally my brain is smoked, right? <laughs> <laughs> Drew, yeah. you want to elaborate on that a little bit? For well, I want to tie it back to one thing, which is organic life has a growth rate to it. So just yeah. like in oh, sure. investing, right, there is there are certain different growth rates. There are standard trends that you can look at and you can say, okay, well, things don't usually go exponential or, you know, when they, you know, if they do, they go, they go exponential plus log and stuff like that, right? So you're starting to see these different patterns, basically. So what we've noticed is that it seems like there are laws written on the universe for humans and for organic life that you can't grow faster than, you know, time and energy allows. Like Derek, you gave the time example. I would also give the energy example, right? Uh, because yeah, yeah, we grow from books and things like that. We all love that, but we, we primarily grow from experiences and your experiences are going to be, I would argue, more tied to your energy than they, than they are to your time. Um, and so, yeah, you can only grow so fast. We pull in the example of Pinocchio, right? This is like the second most translated book of all time, a pretty, you know, pretty ubiquitous story. But if you think back, most people have probably seen the movie to the, you know, 1938 or whatever movie it is, 1941, something in that range, uh, Disney movie, Pinocchio, right? He, he becomes, he's this puppet who's alive. He walks out and Geppetto tells him to go to school. The first thing he runs into is the fox named Honest John. And Honest John's like, you know, he's carrying, uh, Pinocchio's carrying his book. Um, and Honest John's there with his like bozo cat friend. And they're <laughs> like, you don't have to go to school. You can just go into showbiz. You, there's a shortcut basically, right? And it's like, like you were talking about, one person wanted to not take, you know, any kind of a shortcut. They were like, no, no, no. We'll just, we'll just invest only in bonds. It'll be fine. Right. It's, we'll be highly protected. But on the flip side of it, a super aggressive 
profile is not the best either. Yeah, like, wait, you waiting wanna... for the winning lottery ticket. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You're you're going to the point where it's like you may as well just like if you, for example, if you're going to put everything in tech stocks, like you may as well just be gambling on sports and paying paying experts to gamble on sports at this point because <laughs> like their gains are going to be just as good and just as risky basically as you are going into a a non-diverse portfolio that's heavily focused into one area. So, I think we've just noticed that there are these there are different growth rates and it's never possible to exactly pin them. But because there is a limit to your growth as a person, and of course, also your portfolio growth, it's critical that we understand how do we react to that? Okay, so we talked about this earlier, but for me, one of the big things is we focus more on the process than we do on the immediate results. Because in personal development, it's easy to be like, well, I read a book and I've not changed, or I went to counseling and I'm not changed, right? But that's yeah. not the, the barometer here. The barometer is long-term growth. Its character is destiny. And so we have to keep at it. We have to keep focused on the fact that like the growth happens incrementally each day and it's not necessarily going to be measurable or discernible. Would you day. argue that, it, that a lot of, so then the focus needs to be more on the activity that you're doing on a daily basis and less on the outcome? I, exactly. It's not, yeah, outcomes lead to bias. Right. Yep. If you just look strictly at the outcomes, it leads to bias. But if you focus on your process, you can say, yeah, that investment didn't pan out. Maybe I learned something from it. I've done my I've done my reflection, my analysis, but I would make that investment again sometimes. You can say, because some people, like you said, you probably have plenty of examples, I'm sure, where they've been burned once and they're like, no, we can't go back there. And you're like, but where's your humility? You got burned once, but it was you were smart in what you were doing. It, <laughs> it doesn't mean that it was True. bad. Right. Again, there's probably one of the, my favorite ways to get rid of bias was one of my many mentors. He said that whenever you look to buy an investment, you should put your hand over the name of it first. Just look at the trend. It shouldn't matter what it is. I mean, if you look oh, at if, if, if you see an uptrend and then you take your hand off and it happens to be sugar commodities, is there something wrong with sugar? I mean, people sure do eat a lot of it. I mean, <laughs> well, that's what I, I think know. is so funny about. Yeah, I, I think commodities are a great example where you're, you're in those and you're out of those. You're in those, you're out of those. And what's changing is, you know, do we need it or not? Right. And is there a good supply of it? That kind of thing. I mean, yeah, no, that's a really good point. And uh, I, I thought it was funny, you know, because um, we, you, you know, Drew and I, we get so deep into this. And honestly, we talk about it so much. When you ask, like, hey, wh- what? I never heard that there's an organic growth rate limitation, right? And, and yeah. it even forced me for a second to think, wait a minute, I've become biased to thinking about that. Yes, there is one. Of course, there is one. But it to be. It makes sense. This helps so much for us. I suffer right? from it. I mean, I'm, I, this is what my big takeaway from you two so far today is this. Aside from work, I, it's, uh, it's knowing that I'm always trying to, I want to be this never ending dry sponge that wants to just continue absorbing. And there comes a point of saturation, I think, uh, or oversaturation where you just can't take anything else in, at least temporarily. And you got to let that sponge dry out a little bit. Well, I think there's, yeah, I, I think that's a great point, Adam. And, and it's, it's okay, right? I mean, we have to dial our expectations in constantly. And to be, you know, as we've, kind of layered on here. We've taken the long game. We've looked at character as destiny. We've, we've looked at our biases, right? And naturally going to expectations next is really that, as Drew was saying, that's the, the, the day-to-day. And you said it too, Adam, is that that's that day-to-day process where the funny thing is about this, the, the, 
focusing more on activity, right, is that we, we're not in control of it so much. We have to kind of let it happen. And a lot of it is the subconscious uh, making sense of what is happening around us. And we have to give that time, right? And when you drink from the fire hose, you're going to pull in all kinds of things that you may not necessarily have the conscious connections to. So I'm very much like, I'll talk to Drew about something, you know, we'll go, we'll go heavy into a conversation. And then I'll be like, you know what? I got to go to sleep. I just got to like, think about this tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, investing's like that too, I think too, you know, where you have something that you're really weighing heavily and you've looked at a lot of different charts today. You've looked at a lot of different uh, macro trends and projections and whatnot, but really there's only so much research you can do in one day where you've got to back away from it and you've just got to say, you know what, there's obviously a limit here. I'm hitting the ceiling on this and I've got to just give myself time to kind of sort this out. That's almost be honestly, like a daily limit, you know, there's oh, yeah. almost like two limits. There's the lifetime limit and then I guess the short-term limit. Right. I would not well, recommend listening more, to podcasts argue. all the time. What is it? Go I ahead, would, Drew. Oh, I would argue there's many more. That's the crazy thing, right? It's just like the complexity of the limits is, is really indiscernible. But to know that there are limits and to gauge yourself on those limits is what I've learned to be successful. So I'll pull a John Cleese example here. John Cleese's screenwriter wrote uh, the fish called, A Fish Called Wanda and a number of other things, right? But he talked about how when he was learning to write scripts, he at one point wrote a really great comedy sketch and he loved it. But then when he went to find it the next day, he couldn't find it and it was gone. And he was oh, man. like, oh, crap, I spent the whole day yesterday writing this. Uh, and he worked so hard on it and he was up late and stuff. And then he ended up having to, he looked for it for a while and he ended up having to rewrite it. And when he rewrote it, he was, he was really happy with it and he performed it and it did really well. And he, I think it was in college or something, uh, this story and with the audience. And eventually, of course, he found the original script again. And when he found the original script, he compared it to the new one that he rewrote from scratch without being able to read the original. And he noted that the new script was significantly better than hmm. the old script, right? And, and his takeaway from that, again, we have to be careful because this is not an experiment. This is an observation. But his takeaway was that I, my subconscious learned things from writing it the first time. And not only that, it learned things from sleeping on it. It learned things from searching for it and thinking about it a lot. And once it had processed, it had taken time to process and wrote it again, it made it came to a much better conclusion. So yeah, sometimes when we hit that, that cap, and like you said, Derek, yeah, that's one of my strategies. I do hit that cap probably two or three days a week when my brain becomes foggy. And at that point I stop, no more reading, no more listening to audiobooks, no more working. It, right. it, it's done basically. <laughs> I need to process now. It's like literally like I have a backlog a mile long that my subconscious is going to have to process of all this stuff. And once it gets caught up on the backlog, probably tomorrow morning, we can start afresh. <laughs> I always say back before, before I was so busy at work and then back before kids, I've, I still have a music studio in my basement. And then the analogy that comes to mind is I would, I would build a song, like I'd build a track up and I'd finish it. And I would, oh, I think I was finished anyway. And I would listen to the song, just keep listening to it, listening to it. Or maybe there was a piece in the bridge where I'm trying to finalize it and I can't quite get it. And it's like, the best thing to do is just walk away for a week or two. And, and cause you've just reached the, the limit, like your rubber band is a stretch as it's going to get. 
um, and, and avoid breaking that rubber band, I suppose. Probably best you just give it a break. Have you two read the book, The Four Agreements? I don't think so. No, I've, n- yeah, I've never read that I, one. I have. I have it. Some in, of the stuff you're talking about really. I'm struggling to recall it. It's probably it's okay. been a decade. No, it's all right. Um, it's, it's just, I, I, I'm an audiobook reader as well, or I guess listener, Drew. So uh, you mentioned audiobooks earlier. I don't, I, for some reason, I don't focus very well when I'm reading paper um, or like a Kindle. I'm, I'd rather be listening with a laptop taking notes. I know it sounds crazy, but, um, or in my car. And, but this book, this book of the four agreements talks a lot about, you know, don't assume anything is one of, yeah. one of the agreements, you know, never make assumptions. And then um, I'd have to look up what all four of them are, but it's a really, really cool book that I think talks a lot to um, what you guys are talking about when it comes to self-development and self-awareness and reflection, um, which I don't, I don't think any of us could, could stand to do, you know, less of, that's for sure. <laughs> it makes the world a better place, right? And I know it sounds trite. <laughs> it sounds uh, a little trite. It's true, though. We're like, oh, we want to make the world a better place. But yeah, we, we do want to make the world a better place. We, we were here to do our work, right? We, we have work that we're doing. And this is some work that we do, right? We want to, this is our contribution. But if there's anything that, that someone could take away and that could benefit them, that's, that's what we're all about. That's, that's the main thing, right? For the good of others. Um, that really is a pursuit in the podcast. And we recently finished our 50th episode. And, and this is... Nice. Yeah, this that was a good milestone for us. We were pretty for excited sure. about it. And we've been unpacking uh, this word. Uh, we pulled it out. Of, I think Drew pulled it out of uh, some philosophy book, really, in his, in his pursuits, right? He ran across this word and it stuck out to him. But the word is, is magnanimous. And hmm. it's not a word that you hear in your everyday. I would no. say if you look for search trends, I would say it's you know, the middling type search trend. It's not like an exponential or it's a, it's probably one of those words that kind of plateaued out because somebody used it in a book or whatever it may be. But we are unpacking what that means. And really as a kind and giving leader, it's someone with a deep soul, right? And the dictionary strains to define the word because there's so much attached to it. And so that's what we've been pursuing in the first 50 episodes and then the second 50 episodes, we're really fitting that into this whole character is destiny thing, right? And how, yeah, how that drives our growth as leaders. Have you, have you two ever heard the word Brobdingnagian? <laughs> <laughs> Do it one more time. Well, no, yeah. Brobdingnagian. Brobdingnagian. No, I have never heard There's that word. There's a guy named Don, uh, John Roke. Uh, technical analyst, one of the, one of the best, in my opinion, uh, in 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 the country, in the world, um, and he he has these things he calls uh, Brobdingnagian bases, which are giant bases. And I thought, yeah. you know, being philosophical, you know, such deep thinkers, you two, you two need to use start using that word. If yeah, you didn't already because <laughs> mm. giant proportions, you know. So. Um, You're going to have to send me the spelling on that one. So we'll have to get that from you <laughs> after. <laughs> yeah, it looks like it's from a book. It uh, is. From a book from the 18th century here. Gulliver's, that's, Gulliver's that's, Travels. Yeah. That's crazy. Okay. So it's all about a, yeah. Oh yeah. There you go. It, it's satirical. Novel. It's from Gulliver's Travels. Yeah. So it's a, I, I'm assuming it has to do with a lot of uncertainty and complexity in, in, in the vastness. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. That's, That's awesome. We'll take that yeah. one forward for sure. I'll unpack that a lot more. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Just some little, little seed for later, I guess. But uh, 100%. <laughs>
Hey man, we're always looking to be disruptive with this. Yeah. yeah. We we really do feel like, you know, when you, you know, I, I want to let Drew riff on a little bit here, but it's, it's, it really is. There's a lot of, there are a lot of connections to be made, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. And you know, what I'm taking away from today is that we definitely have a lot of connections between oh, the sure. financial, right? The financial mindset and the self-development mindset. There's, there's a lot there, right? There's a lot of cross connections, but I, I'm going to, if we were to, to profile people, um, those who are very mature, for lack of a better word. Yeah. In their personal development and um, self-awareness, I would bet those same people tend to do very well in the world of saving and, and retirement planning. I don't know, but I bet that I bet that would be the case. So I think that, you know, we both go on our, our own parallel journeys here to, you know, whether it's helping people become better leaders, better people, um, affecting others around them in a more positive way. And I'm over here, you know trying to get people to help themselves from the standpoint of, you know, quitting when they like to have the choice to quit working so they can actually do something with this money that means a whole lot more than making it. I think that we ought to do this again sometime and, uh, and kind of maybe break these down into some smaller topics even. That'd be fun. Yeah. That'd be awesome. I think Drew, Drew, you were going to, weren't you going to share a story? Uh, I'll, I'll, instead of sharing a story, yeah, I had a story on the docket, but we'll pivot a little bit. This is the Wonder Tour formula. We never know where it's going to go when we get started. That's kind of the secret sauce is that we have some ideas, but we let it go where it goes. Uh, I would prefer to spend the time riffing on, on what Derek said and really trying to come to a close on what you said, Adam. I'm not here to... You know, I'm not here to help someone become better so that they can become better. I'm here to help someone become better because... I have a vision for a world that's flourishing, a world where people care about each other, they take care of each other, they look out for someone at classic definition of love that I really just have latched on to M. Scott Peck uh, in, in his you know, seminal work, The Road Less Traveled, that Derek, I'll give you credit for pointing me in that direction. I, I love that. And I've read a lot of other <laughs> Peck books as well, but he said that love is putting somebody else's spiritual development or, you know, sense of purpose ahead of your own. And so if there's one thing that, that I want to kind of wrap this into, it's that we can't be doing this for ourselves. We simply can't be doing this for ourselves because it's futile. In the end, you know, <laughs> we're going to be born and we're going to die. And what are we going to be left with, right? Money, like you said, I love what you said there, right? Money can help. Money can allow you. It, it is a, a currency for change, essentially, right? In different sure. ways. So we can use it to make changes, but it will be no good without character, right? If your wealth exceeds your character, oh gosh, that's, you know, that's a recipe for disaster. If you've got you know, twice as much money as you have character, that can be, uh, yeah. you, you've already got one foot in the grave, some might say, basically, because it's just going to be, you, you're not going to be happy. You're not going to leave an impact on the world the way that you had imagined it, right? And so I guess if, if we're looking at that, and, and we're looking at ourselves in the mirror and we don't think our uh, wealth and character are in alignment, that's okay, right? You're only, you're only at where you're at. There are people that are there to help you. You can help yourself. Sure. <laughs> like, like, but let's start out by talking about it. Let's start out by finding people who are trying to go the same direction as us and learning from each other. And, and in doing so, you get all this other stuff wrapped up into one, right? It's you, you get financial advice, you get, you know, you get friends, you get relationships, you get family, all these things, you know, they don't have to be exclusive. I pursue one or I pursue the other, all of these things in balance towards 
you know, the end goal of leaving a legacy. I mean, I, I that's totally the way I would have said it. Right. I mean, okay. I, I think that that, you know, Drew and I, if you, if you can't tell from this entire episode uh, is that we have a similar uh, way of thinking, but we also have a divergent way of thinking. And I think that's what kind of helps us work through things. If, if I were the same as Drew or Drew was the same as me, I think it would be boring. I think if we were all the same, it'd be oh, boring. Man. Right. Tell me about it. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I want to say we really appreciate you having us on today and providing that just the, the, I would say the glue to pull it all together, right. To really bring it to what you want your audience to hear. Right. And, and the message that you want to resonate coming out from your podcast. I think we, we may have started where we thought maybe there was a lot more disparity, but I feel like we have a lot more parity. I would agree with that <laughs> in the end. So I would agree with cool. that. I, I, uh, depending on, you know, what, we can talk later, but I mean, I, I think there's, there's, there's questions I have and there's things that I would, I might be, I might find really interesting if we did this again sometime. And I, I want to, I'll, I'll, how about this? I'll start by teasing the question. I would argue, and we're not going to talk about this today because we're out of time. Um, I would argue <laughs> that the first problem with trying to accomplish the things that the two of you uh, and Wonder Tours uh, aimed at is that people tell me if I'm wrong. Well, no, maybe we can't talk about it today. Um, I think <laughs> that people are inherently selfish. And I think the word selfish has a very negative connotation. And But when I say selfish, I think that when somebody does something, whether if it's for themselves, then obviously it's selfish, right? It's selfishly motivated. But, but I would argue that a lot of times, if not most times, when people do things for others, they're also doing it for their own self-fulfillment. It makes them feel good to do it. Um, so... Uh, something I think that would be interesting to talk about another time, and and we can see if there's parallels in the financial world, maybe, is the difficulty in getting over that hump. And and then more importantly, um, when you get to a point where um, you're thinking about it, you're being conscious, uh, you, you used the word earlier, Derek, you said mindful, mind, you know, bringing it to the front of your brain and and thinking about being reflective and becoming better for whoever you want to be. Um, then how to do it, um, which I think for there's lots of people I know. I know somebody right now I'm thinking of, I won't say their name, um, who I know they want to be, you know, be a better influence on their on their friends and their community. Um, but they, they don't know how. And um, it, I've had a couple short conversations with this this person about how some ideas, but then those ideas become very overwhelming. Um, but anyway, I don't know. I don't know if, if you want to chime on that before we close oh too much yeah i've got i've got way too much to say yeah i agree with you in theory that that humans are generally uh i would add to being selfish uh motivated by immediate gratification uh -huh. so it's yep. the combination of those two again i'll leave the stub here i have personally defined adult development as being learning to be more focused on the future than on the present and so you can meet a lot of people that have a lot of years that, don't, that haven't been able to figure that out yet that I need right. to be more focused on the future than on the present. And I don't, when I say that again, notice that there are different, there's paradoxes here. We talked about, we need to be focused on the present. Well, we also need to be focused on the future, right? It's having right. an understanding of both of those things. So yeah, let's, let's pick that up another time. I've actually got a, uh, got a great idea for how we can tackle that. Perfect. It sounds good. Well, what I'm going to take away from today is uh, the concept of, of not, pushing so hard, steady growth as opposed to 
uh, Mach 3 growth, um, not, you know, understanding we can only learn and become so much. So for me, maybe I just need, need to spend a little bit more time being. How's that? <laughs> Ooh, I've had to tell myself that, Adam. So I'm, I'm with you there. Yeah, <laughs> there, the there's, there's a time and place for fire hose for sure. But uh, yeah, it's it, you can't do it all the time. <laughs> Well, so, can you, well, before we close, can you two tell us, yeah. you know, uh, about just for our listeners where they can find your podcast? Oh yeah, absolutely. Website. Yeah. Yeah. So our website is www.wondertourpodcast.com. And you can also find us on all major podcast platforms by just searching one word together, wonder tour, and you'll be able to pop up. And that's one of the reasons that we wanted to have our logo there uh, so that you could recognize it when it popped up. And so it, it shows up there. And again, we've got, uh, we're just starting a compassion series, uh, this week. So we're really excited about that one. Fun. Very much trying to unpack that term of compassion, which I think is one that I think is looked over, uh, in the modern day world, right. Where we, uh, we previously, you know, we're talking about empathy a lot, right. And, and just like how compassion is, is like this next step. Uh, and going through that with somebody, going through tough things with somebody, but not necessarily that that they can do anything for you when you're doing that with them. So uh, and <laughs> Drew Drew has taught me a lot about compassion. I laugh because I'm like, I know that Drew could probably talk another 10 minutes in this episode, but we'll leave it at that. Uh, and we'll just we'll just kind of drop that there. And and yeah, it starts at episode episode 51 with the compassion series. So. Awesome. Uh, we're really excited for it and excited for uh, people to listen to it as well. So thanks well, again you, for having us on. Adam. Oh, for sure. No. And if, if you would like to hear more about uh, personal development, leadership development, self-awareness, uh, wisdom, just becoming a better person, definitely go check out uh, Drew and Derek's podcast. I know I'm going to be uh, going back and subscribing myself. So, but we're going to go ahead and end. So that's it. That's it for today's show. Be sure to share this episode with your friends and family. We hope you enjoyed part two with Adam Koch on the Cash Podcast. Again, we were really able to learn how the Wonder Tour formula and really living a life of wonder and going on this adventure is applicable to all areas of life. And we hope that you're applying it in your lives too. You can find out more and talk to us at the Wonder Tour or at wondertourpodcast.com. Remember, character is destiny.